Let us begin our worship of God by singing to his praise and sing Sam's version of Psalm 8. We'll find that on page 7 of the Blue Book. Sing Sam's version, Psalm 8, page 7. We'll sing verses 1 down to the end of verse marked 5. This is an evening hymn. It speaks of the privileges of creation and as the people lift their voices to praise God. In all the earth, O Lord, O Lord, our Lord, how glorious is your name, for you have set above the heavens your glory and your fame. From infants and from children's lips you ordered praise to sound, to silence all your enemies, the wicked to confound. When I regard the heavens you made, your fingers work I trace, I see the moon and shining stars which you have set in place. I ask myself, what then is man, that you should give him thought, the son of man, that you to him such gracious care have brought. You made him little less than those who dwell in heaven above, and you have crowned and honoured him with glory and with love. We'll stand together and lift our voices in praise. In all the earth, O Lord, our Lord, how glorious is your name. Let us now draw near to God in prayer. Let us unite our hearts in prayer. <clears throat> our Heavenly Father, it is to you, that fatherly figure, that we come. And knowing that you are one that can meet our needs and will be there to hear our cries. And so it is fitting that we come to you this evening, acknowledging the sins of our hearts, and confessing that we have often strayed from your ways in which you have shown to us. Lord, may we hear your voice again as if it has been silent from our ears, 
May we know your ways and understand your directing hand. May we know your hand holding us and may we know you carrying us when that is required. Lord, we just thank you that you are one who hears our pleas and does not cast them to his side. You are one who acknowledges that we are in need. We acknowledge ourselves that we would be foolish to trust in our own knowledge. That we would not have confidence in self, but that we would see and place our confidence in you, the one who knows what is best for us, in you, the one who is the creator of all things. As we sung in the psalm there, as he looked his eyes to the heavens in the evening and saw the stars and the moon, it really humbles us to see that you are one who listens to our prayers. You have created all such things that is beyond the mind of man to understand fully and to comprehend. Even from life in the mother's womb, how that is formed and knitted together by your own special hand. Help us, Lord, to value that life. As a nation, we would turn from our ways and acknowledge that we have done many grievous sins in your eyes. Lord, open our eyes to who you are in ourselves, in our hearts, in our churches and in our nation, that we may behold the glory of God stemming from the roots of our lives, the breaths of our lungs, the beats of our hearts are all held within your hands. The fragility of man and the longevity of man is in your hands. You are the one who holds us. And so we ask that you continue to hold us. That we would be people to place ourselves within those loving arms. And that we would acknowledge you as God of our our God and our God. Lord and our Lord. Forsaking all gods of this world that we have set our affections upon. And turning to the God of the Bible who first loved us, even when we walked in such sinful ways. We thank you for your redeeming love. We thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, into this world. And through him has satisfied your justice, that we may draw near to you, that we can be accepted in your sight through this Son, through your Son, through our Redeemer, through the sinless man. We pray that we know him. We pray that we would have the confidence to trust in him, that our hearts and souls would be persuaded this night to follow this man, and that through him we can have life eternal to the enjoyment of glorifying God forever. Lord, we pray that you would be with us in our lives. Be with us and direct us in our footsteps and the directions that we take. We pray this night that your hand would be near to us, doing likewise for us. That we would know your spirit over us as we we as a people gather to worship you. And that we would know the privileges of gathering as your people. And that we would be people that would hear your voice and be preparing ourselves to hear your voice and to see the beauty in, the, in your word as we sit around it. That your word would be as treasure to us beyond the riches of this world. So we pray that it would be proclaimed throughout our nation, throughout our churches, and that it would come with the power of your Spirit. That we would ask these things that you would bless our nation through the preaching of your word. And that you would raise up men to do so. To be faithful to understand your word and what it means for us as a people. 
how it condemns us as a people also, and that that would not be afraid to have been preached as well. But the loving kindness and steadfast love of God comes to us through Jesus Christ. And that in this man we have hope. We would turn our focus to him in worship with thankful acknowledgement of all his graces towards us that come to us daily and that even are beyond our knowing. We thank you for sustaining us and keeping us. Lord, we just pray also for new ministries. We thank you for four men being licensed in our denomination. We pray for Matty as he takes up charge in Dingwall soon. We pray for him and prepare his heart to such an office that you would prepare the people also to receive him. Give him strength, we pray. We remember Donald McLeod and Tosta as well, that you would further strengthen him and equip him in that office and that he would find his feet in serving you and in, that, in the people whom have called him to serve him, that he may preach the gospel and the people may hear it, and that he and others who preach may know the fruits of their labours. We remember also the children at this time. We pray for the camps that are going on and have started this week. We pray that it has been a blessing for many, that it would continue to be a blessing. We pray for safe travels for them. We pray for enjoyment. But ultimately we pray that they would know and see Jesus Christ as the one who died for them and in their young lives may devote themselves to this man and trust in Christ. They would turn their minds towards him and that you would keep the evil one from them. Likewise, we ask this of ourselves for we are so inclined to fall to his temptations for our heart's desire is set upon them. Change our desires from nature to a heavenly desire and our affections beyond this world that we may see the beauty of Christ Jesus as we gather in this place. We pray for the holiday club as well as that comes together that you may enable us as a team to work together in one mind and that the children who attend would be prepared even this night and that they too would understand and see, exploring the Gospel of Mark, who Jesus Christ is and what he can do for them. We remember those who mourn. We remember the families who have lost loved ones in recent days. We pray that you would be around them as a shield, that your loving arms would extend to them also, and that they would know that God has been near to them, that they may question in their hearts what is life. We pray, Lord, that your ways are mysterious to us, that you would open our eyes to your ways and your understanding, and that we may set our minds heavenward with a focus on you, as we join together in worship, may know the blessing of it, of being together and singing your praises. We thank you for the hours he leads us here. Be with him. And that you would equip men and women to be leading and in charge in your church. That they would not be afraid to take responsibility within your church in different settings and in different capacities, Lord. But pray for men to preach the gospel. Pray for ETS and all the work they do and the preparations they make to train faithful students towards the ministry. Be with us now in our worship, we pray. Lift our eyes and hearts heavenward.
as we see the beauty of Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll continue in our praise of God by singing in Psalm 42 of the Scottish Psalter. You'll find that on page 263 of the Blue Book. Psalm 42. From the beginning of that psalm down to the second verse, in second verse of verse 4. Like as the heart for water brooks, and thirst doth pant and bray, so pants my longing soul, O God, that come to thee I may. My soul for God, the living God, does thirst when shall I near, and to thy countenance approach, and in God's sight appear. Down to verse marked there, where it says, With them into God's house I went, with voice of joy and praise, yea, with the multitude that kept the solemn holy days. The psalmist's longings to be with the people of God and the multitude before his presence. So we'll stand and sing this psalm together, like as the heart for water brooks. Turn now to our Bible reading, and we'll take that up in the book of Romans, chapter 12. The book of Romans, reading at chapter 12, and we'll read the whole of that chapter, and then we will read in Psalm 133 afterwards. Let us hear the word of God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if in prophecy in proportion to our faith, if in service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, Live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And if we can continue in our reading by turning to Psalm 133, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. May the reading of his word be a blessing to us. May it speak to our hearts. Continue in our praise by singing in Psalm 23 of the Scottish Psalter, You'll find that on page 229 of the Blue Book. Psalm 23. We'll sing the whole of this psalm. Psalm well known to each of us. The Lord is my shepherd. No, I'll not want. He makes me down to lie. In pasture green he leadeth me. The quiet waters by. Down to verse mark 6. Goodness and mercy all my life shall surely follow me, and in God's house forevermore my dwelling place shall be. We'll stand together and sing this psalm.
we could turn back to Psalm 133, and we'll give our attention to this psalm for the time that we have together. And we're, we're not setting off on an entirely different track from where we were in the morning. In the morning, in the English service here, we heard about the motivation that is within each of our own hearts and where that motivation comes from. And where we come to here this evening in Psalm 133 is kind of a follow-on from that personal assessment of our own uh, motivations to the motivation when it is enjoined together amongst the believers. And we, were, we heard in the children's talk about an elephant that would not get off the man's hat. And it was only when the man went to sit down with his bag of peanuts did the elephant move off his hat and come over to taste what the man had. And in our service tonight, I don't have a lot of application, as it were, to say to you, but I want us to give our minds to what we have set before us, where the brothers dwell in unity, and that we would understand something of the beauty of dwelling together and coming together as we are to worship God. And that those who do not know anything of this taste may tonight understand what it is to taste and know that God is good. Like the elephant that would not move when pulled or prodded or asked to, may we in our minds see what others who trust in Christ have in their hands the beauty of what they have in their lives. And if we are not yet Christians, that we would desire to know likewise what they have. And that those who do not yet have faith in Christ would be encouraged to likewise come and taste the goodness of being gathered with the Lord's people. Last week, I looked at with you the parable of the two builders, the one who built his house on the rock, the one who built without foundation. And we noticed that the one who built his house on the rock was like the man who did the words of God. The one who didn't and built with foundation only offered lip service to God. And I would like to continue in looking at Bible similes and imagery in this totally different uh, account, this totally different uh, passage from where we were last week with Psalm 133. And this psalm, it speaks of that communion and special communion that the people of God have together. And though it is so brief, it likens it to two images. It speaks of oil and dew, which we will further explore this evening. But this psalm has a bit of background. It's a song of ascent. And it is commonly understood that this psalm would have been sung as a people gathered to Jerusalem in a time of festival. You can imagine the different tribes coming together, coming to this central point and meeting along the way and that they would be joyful to meet with one another and thankful for one another and sing praises as they went up to Jerusalem with one another. But also, as we heard in that recent service that we had here, that these songs would serve as a reminder and would have been a parting blessing to them. Afterwards, as they departed, they would have sung these songs as a loving departure from each other and our precious memory of the times and blessings that they had together. And likewise, Psalm 133 is for many of us. It's one that we sing when we're in company. 
when we're in fellowship. It's one that we sing when we're parting from such gatherings. That we lift our voice in thankfulness to God for that privilege of gathering together in that moment. It is a psalm that echoes the love and bond that Christians have with one another, that the brethren and believers in Christ experience together when they gather. And yet we can read of it in our own privacy at home and be reminded of these times, times that we have experienced and even times that it was only afterwards when we realized the blessing that we had been gathered in previous times. When we read this psalm, it may conjure memories of blessings that we have known being with the Lord's people. J.C. Ryle says that we should always regard the communion with other believers as an eminent means of grace. You see how highly he places the gathering of the believers. It is elevated to importance in his mind, and likewise it should be in our mind, and I hope it will be. The gathering of the Lord's people, it's almost a natural reaction that we are together. The prophets of old gathered the people together to announce the word to them. Jesus would gather the people together to teach them. Paul had an earnest desire to be with the people as he wrote to them. The writer of Hebrew exhorts each other not to neglect meeting together. And ultimately, Christ is one that will gather his people to an eternity in the enjoyment of God. There is something about the gathering of people that is special in the sight of God. God has provided means to gather his people and to bind these people together with special privileges. And therefore, when the people of God are gathered together, we can say that it surely is pleasing in his sight. When we have the likened and similar motivations, similar minds to come and praise, and similar desires to join and speak with one another, surely it pleases God. And although, as we said, it's a natural response to the Christian, it's maybe not something that we value as we should, to come here twice on Sunday and to gather. It's maybe not something that we seek to maintain as we would like to. It's not always something that comes easily to us if we confess with honesty in our hearts. Because as God seeks to gather his people, the devil seeks to divide them. And I would be a fool if I stood here and said that the unity of the church is not under threat. The unity of the church has always been under threat, and it always will be under threat. And the desires that stem within our heart to part ourselves from the company of God's people is not from God. Now, that's not to say that each one of us here enjoys being in large companies. That's not everyone's nature to be in such a multitude. The fellowship of each other is not restricted to great gatherings. It is where the few meet, where the two or three gather together. It is where we meet in person and speak to one another and have fellowship with one another. It has a special richness to it. We speak with one another in the street and we may think back and say it was a blessing to have spoken to that person. It was just what I needed to hear. But surely there is a particular blessing when we gather with likewise, likewise motivations to praise God. 
There is surely something special in that. To be with one another, to speak with one another, to pray with one another, to pray together, to sing together, to mourn together. It is an eminent means of grace. The collective we, the gathered people, the Lord's people, living in harmony with one another, as Paul expressed in Romans. So simply in looking at this psalm, we'll just take verse, verse by verse. Step by step, we'll walk through this psalm together. So let us begin with verse 1. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. We've sort of touched on this in the introduction. But as you begin there, you'll notice that it says, Behold. This psalm, along with Psalm 134, is the only psalm, I believe, in my understanding of Hebrew, are the only two that begin with behold. I may be wrong on this, but there are very few that actually begin with behold. Certainly in the written book of Psalms that we have here, 133 is the only one that begins with behold which immediately attracts our attention to the psalm. Why is it that David is saying, behold this particular psalm in its initial mention of it, rather than any other ones? He's elevating the importance of brotherly love to one another, that it is both good and pleasant in our experience and in the sight of God. The people are the brethren, the brothers, believers in Christ. It is, a unity, it is an echo of that unity expressed by Paul in Romans as that one body, together with its different functions, comes together, as also noted in Philippines, having that same mind in Christ Jesus. And you will note, when you look at this verse 1, it says how good and pleasant it is. It doesn't say it is good and it is pleasant. The King James Version emphasizes that, how at the beginning. The King James Version would have how good and how pleasant it is, which I believe is what the Hebrew says. And what is expressed here is almost an inexpressible, explainable element to it. It's an almost wondrous quality to the gathering of God's people here. He's saying how good it is, how pleasant it is. It's almost as if he's seeking an endorsement on it, the gathered people's endorsement about how good and how pleasant it is. The pleasantness there is also a word that expresses delightfulness, sweetness, that the people are gathered together. And it's almost like he can't quite get the words to explain what he's saying. When the people are there and they lift their eyes to God in praise of him, he says, how good and pleasant it is. It is like, it is like, in verses 2 and 3. He uses two images to express it, almost as if he can't find the words to do it for him. And each one of these images, it is like, it is like, harkens us back to that initial statement and reference about the brothers that dwell in unity and the beauty of that time. So let us look then at that first image that is presented to us. Read in verse 2 there. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Now, this may not be the first image that would have come to your mind to express the special communion of God's people. The image that is presented to us here is the anointing of Aaron, who was the first high priest to Israel, as prescribed by God in his word to Moses on Mount Sinai. 
And you can read about that in Exodus 29, but you can read about that event as it actually took place in Leviticus 8. And you've got to ask yourself, well, how is Aaron's anointing a suitable image to be used in this, in this, uh, for this description of the people of God? And I suppose we have to ask ourselves, then, well, what does anointing mean? What is anointing? Why were people anointed? The first record we have of anointing is in the book of Genesis, where you may remember Jacob slept outside, and he envisaged, envisaged the staircase to heaven while he slept on this pillow, that he used the pillow that was a stone. And in the morning, he lifted this pillow, the stone upright, and he poured oil upon it. And he said, surely God has been in this place, and I did not know it. And then he further expresses it by saying, the house, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And it would appear that the oil and the symbol of using oil is, signifies the bridging between heaven and earth. This is where the heavenly meets the earthly, where the celestial things come down to the terrestrial the things on earth. When something's anointed, it marks them with holy significance. This becomes clearer when you follow through in the instructions Moses got on Mount Sinai in the building of God's temple and the creation of the instruments that were to be used in that temple. They were to be anointed. There was oil to be poured upon them because they were consecrated for a holy purpose. The instruments... The place of worship, the tabernacle, the priest who led in the worship were set aside with a holy significance. These are the markers where heaven is represented on earth. And at the oil, it was not just any oil. It was also on the mountain where Moses received the recipe for making this oil in Exodus 30. This oil was a holy oil, not to be replicated or composed for any other purpose. Meaning that when this oil was used, and the spices that were used in it created this fragrance, it was like no other smell that they had smelt. The smell was special. It was a precious oil. It was a precious fragrance that we see spoken in the psalm. The precious oil that was poured on his head. Precious to them, precious to God. God said it is not to be replicated in any other way. And the anointing of Aaron means that the people have a bridge between the heavens and earth. Aaron being the first high priest symbolizes this communication being made between heaven and earth. He is the one that would go to God on behalf of the people. He is the one that would pay for the sins and pray for the people. The people would come to the priest and the priest would draw near to God. So the oil symbolizes this bridge and link between heaven and earth. But it is something that God was pleased to give. It was a gracious act on God's behalf. There is a pouring down echoed in this psalm, a descending of holy blessing and consecration. The oil that was used, it was not a dribble of oil. It was not a small amount of oil. Because if you could imagine Aaron he would have had a turban on his head, a linen turban. He would have had a golden crown around holding that turban on his head. On that was inscripted, Holy unto the Lord. And he would have had a significant beard also. So when that oil was poured upon his head, it was enough to go beyond the linen, the cloth of the turban, 
It was enough to go beyond the room of the, not to be absorbed in the room of the golden crown or to just sit on the room of the crown. It was enough to go onto his beard, not to be absorbed by his beard, but enough to pass through it onto the collar of his robes. And what did he have upon his shoulders and upon his breast was stones engraved with the tribes of Israel and the sons of Jacob. So the oil that was poured down on Aaron came down to the tribes, to every tribe. It symbolizes the blessing of God down upon his people. And of course, this is written before Christ, but it is not an, is it not an image of Christ? Christ, his title is the Anointed One. Christ is the Anointed One who did not fail in his duty as other priests did. Christ is our great high priest. Christ is the one who has been anointed by God. And in his anointing, we receive his privileges. The oil is as if it's coming down on the one that is anointed unto us, and we receive that anointing also. He anoints my head with oil, as we sung of in Psalm 23. We are anointed via the anointed one. the anointed one being Christ, and we are the Christians. We receive this blessing, and it is a blessing that binds us to heaven. It's a blessing through Christ, our eternal priest. It comes down from us, a blessing that comes down from above. The brethren, when they dwell in unity, it is like a taste of heaven on earth. It is where God meets with his people, the gate of heaven. And it comes down to every one of us that meet. That blessing is not just for the Christ. Christ's blessing comes down to us because God's grace is so abundant to come even to the least of us. When the people gather together, God's blessing comes down to each of us, to the least of us, and we receive through Christ the greatest of privileges that we could know. And it is so good and pleasant that we know and receive these things. It is abundantly given to us. There is a fragrance about it like no other, no, no other thing in this world. And yet it is like something else described here. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. This second image, you know, it, it may seem as obscure to you as the first one. What, what does the dew of Hermon, which falls on Mount Zion, got to do with the people that join together and worship God? How do I grasp this today as I come to worship God with the people of God? Well, Jew in Israel, it's a common thing, apparently. And it is caused by this regular wind that blows in from the Mediterranean. And it comes in like clockwork, I believe, every day, about three o'clock in the warmer months uh, from spring to autumn. And this wind distills itself as Jew across Israel. But in particular, in the area of Mount Hermon, which is the highest peak in Israel, the dew is significantly different. It is remarkably heavy that it saturates the ground and covers it wet for at least six months of the year. Which means that the ground around Hermon is very fertile and rich. The ground around Hermon there are many apple orchids and vines. It is fruit-bearing ground. It is very fertile. 
Now, the mountains of Zion, on the other hand, while Hermon experiences heavy dew, Mount Zion, the mountains around Jerusalem, would likewise experience dew, but not to the extent of Mount Hermon. Because as we said, that was a particularly heavy dew in that place. But the mountains of Zion are a more significant place. It is the mountains around Jerusalem. And the mountains of Zion are regarded as like the seat of authority watching over Jerusalem. It is where the people of Jerusalem would look up to God and refer to God's heavenly dwelling as Mount Zion, God's dwelling place. So there, if you put the two things together, you have this wonderful picture where this strange heavy dew of Mount Hermon which comes down on Mount Hermon but does not remain on the peak of Mount Hermon, but extends to the lower lands of Mount Hermon. David is saying, when the people gather together, it is like the dew of Hermon coming down on Mount Zion. The dew would not have remained on Mount Zion, but would have come down to the lower lands where the people of God dwelt in Jerusalem. The mountains around Zion would have been a drier place. The ground was not so fertile. But when the people of God gather in this image, it is as if that saturating dew from heaven descends down in this special place and extends to all the people in Jerusalem. And you can see the beauty of that come through. It is almost a perfect combination where God pours down blessing on the land that is dry and makes it fertile, makes it a soil that is good for growing. Psalm 23 spoke of the cup overflowing, and it is like that, the dew that overflows. Dew that comes is unseen. It is formed in the heavens. It comes down in the still of night. It doesn't make a noise like the rain when it falls. But for those in Israel, it was regular. It was common to see this dew every morning when they woke up. This dew refreshes, revives, restores. This dew is to them what gives growth. And it falls regularly for them. It is like the Spirit of God at work, and that Spirit at work, blessing the people of God daily, bringing unto them a source of strength, renewal, revitalization, and life to the people of God. See, in, in Hosea, there's another passage that is very like this. And it says of God, I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. They were the, most, the majestic trees of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive. His fragrance like Lebanon, that cut cedar wood, they, the people, shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like grain. They shall blossom like the vine. And their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. You can see the richness of that passage from God, who is the Jew, to his people, who saturates the people with his blessing. They blossom. They take root. They spread out. They're beautiful. There's a fragrance in them like there is in no other. They dwell under the shadow. They flourish. They blossom. And they shall be known. When the brothers dwell in unity, it is like the dew of Hermon that falls in the mountain of Zion. The people blossom. The people take root. The people grow. 
And likewise, follow through with that image. That's in Hosea 14. The work of God's Spirit, when the people gather together in one mind and one spirit. It is like nothing else. It is a particular blessing that we enjoy. It is incomparable in this world and inexplicable in many ways. But those who do gather, they are receivers. It says at the end of this psalm, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. I don't believe the blessing is in the mountains of Zion. It's almost as if these two images, he comes out of them two images again and takes you back to the beginning. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. These images of blessing, it's a blessing that the people of God receive when they gather together. The King James Version puts an even in there in the last line, even life forevermore, implying that the people of God are blessed with blessings, even unto life forevermore. And is that not a rich blessing? Is that not something incomparable to this world and of what this world can offer. Augustine says that God finds pleasure in us when we find pleasure in him. God is pleased to bless his people so abundantly, so richly. When they join together in one mind and one motivation, with one heart, to worship God. a particular people. They are people who are anointed. We are people who are holy and separated. We are people, though, who should be obedient and dutiful. People who should be devoted. But we are people who are revived and restored daily. We are people who are enriched we are people that should flourish and bear fruit. We are people who receive great blessings. As we gather, may it be pleasing unto God. And we speak to one another. We encourage one another. And that blessings would flow down like the dew, like the oil and the dew from heaven. Heavenly qualities in earthly worship. This psalm is a rich song of that blessing the people of God know. The brotherly affection and love for one another. Likened motivations, desires and praise as we look heavenly. May we receive the downpouring of God's blessing. May we taste and see that God is good. And may that taste, fragrance, beauty, fruit, that we experience, be like that thing that is attractive to the world, to come in and join with us and to know the blessing of being together. May we hold it as an eminent thing in our lives. May we value it. May we treasure it. The people of God gathered together in worship. It's a special thing. Pray that we be blessed as we gather in the Lord's name. We'll conclude our worship by singing in that psalm We'll find that on page 424 of the Blue Book.
Psalm 133, page 424, Scottish Psalter version. Behold how good a thing it is, and how becoming well, together such as brethren are, in unity to dwell. Like precious ointment on the head that down the beard did flow, even Aaron's beard unto the skirts did off his garments go. As Hermon's Jew, the Jew that doth, on Zion's hill descend, for there the blessing God commands, life that shall never end. We'll stand and we'll sing these words to God's praise. in prayer. Our Father in heaven, open our eyes to see that we are children of great privileges as we part from one another. May we have this song in our heart, knowing that it was good to be here, knowing that we have received great blessings from your hand, knowing that we have been restored and revived in the dryness of our hearts. Enrich us, Lord, by your beauty, by your grace. Be with us. Do not part from our company but remain with us in all things. May your spirit be with us, and may we know the fellowship of one another and the fellowship of God's presence and knowing Christ as our Redeemer. Be with us as we part. Forgive us our sins. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen.